Before making a phone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say and why? Yes, because I get nervous and then I want to sound like I have, like, I don't know, authority or that I'm assertive, especially if I have to, like, call the phone company or something. (laughs) I find I rehearse what I'm going to say or what I've said in a past conversation a lot while I'm driving. Mm. So, like, I'm just driving and then... I turn off my podcast or I turn off whatever's on the radio and I'm just like rehearsing what I've already had said. Mm-hmm. And I think of such hilarious things and comebacks after. Yeah, but that always happens. So the next time I have the exact conversation again, I'll be ready. <laughs> Do you have a secret hunch about... Oh, that's a dark one. Mm. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? No. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't really like to think about it. (laughs) I hope it's peaceful. (laughs) Uh, Well, I feel like I would probably, it would be some type of accident of me doing something that (laughs) I probably thought I could have done when I was younger and that I thought I could Mm. still do. And then my body just isn't able to move the same way anymore where I just don't realize uh, how old I really am. (laughs) Or I hope it would be something, like, heroic. I don't know. I would hope so. (laughs) Or peaceful. One of those two. (laughs) Just not stupid. No. (laughs) What does friendship mean to you? (laughs) I guess just having someone who's always there for you, no matter what happens, and they're there to support you, and they understand you. Like, for me, I'm really bad at, like, keeping in touch with people, so I like having friends who understand that, and just, you know, when we do talk, it's the same as it was before. Nothing changes, and they just get that even though I'm not always the best at keeping in touch, it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't care. Do you have any friends you want to call out to say that they're good at being that for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family like is always understanding, I guess, about <laughs> that, even though they still give me a hard time. And uh, yeah, it's a couple of my friends from high school. <laughs> You'll know if they actually listen to this, even if they probably <laughs> lied and said they did, if they don't say anything after this episode. Yeah. All right. Wait, go. what does friendship mean to you? Oh, you can't you ask me answer that back. one. <laughs> um, very much the same. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, being able to do my thing, maybe not be around as much while I'm focused on work and things like that mm-hmm. that I need to do to make myself better. And then being able to pick up where we left off very easily and just, you know, being able to talk. I think once you get over some of your teenage years and you start to be more confident in who you are. I felt like with my friends, we were a lot more open on what we could talk about. We talked about our feelings, our emotions, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, um, a lot more uh, as we matured. And then it just made our friendships a lot better mm-hmm. um, and more meaningful since then. Welcome to Red Dot Project. I'm Haley. And I'm Phil. This podcast is about menstruation, homelessness, social justice, the city of Toronto, gender equality, the social service work field, and so much more. So today we are talking about romance and Valentine's Day in 2019. So you heard before our theme song 
that we asked each other a few questions. Well, mainly I asked Haley a lot of questions <laughs> and I didn't want to have to answer any of them. But uh, those questions came from a 2015 article in the New York Times that was titled The 36 Questions That Lead to Love. So this article was uh, based on studies done by psychologist Arthur Aaron. And it explores whether intimacy can be accelerated or exacerbated by asking each other 36 thought-provoking questions. And the questions are divided into three sets, and each set gets more personal as it goes on. This was a pretty popular quiz that a lot of relationship people probably did when it was popular. And I bet some people fell in love, some people were more in love, and then some people probably quite a few people realized maybe they weren't in love after (laughs) all. Some of the questions are pretty intense. It starts off a little bit okay. Things like, do you have a secret hunch about how you'll die? (laughs) Haley does not. (laughs) And then it leads into things like, what's your most treasured memory? Or what's your most terrible memory? Or like I asked Haley, what does friendship mean to her? And then last section of questions go into the heavy stuff. Stuff like, stuff like, Make three true we statements each. For instance, we are both in this room feeling dot, dot, dot. What's a we statement for us right now? Feeling (laughs) unprepared. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay if we feel a little unprepared because we do have with us our two very, very qualified interns here. So we have not that helped us with the research on this particular topic and maybe we could bring her and she could fill us in on some of this stuff here so hello everyone (laughs) so for the 36 questions i thought it was really interesting because they were formulated a really long time ago and then all of a sudden it became this craze in january 2015 when the new york times decided to publish an article on it and then ever since then you kind of see these questions resurface i i understand that uh they definitely can help two people build a deeper connection because some of the questions allow you to be very vulnerable and are very personal but at the same time you'll know within like 12 questions if you're also not compatible with this person at all so it could go both ways I think so you and your boyfriend did this quiz yes we did and you and your boyfriend are still together (laughs) yes we are so it works it works yeah I think that I mean had it been initially in our relationship it probably wouldn't have been the same because some people don't open up that easily about those kind of things however it did definitely give me a different perspective on some of his characteristics because you can think you know someone really well but until you ask some of those questions you see like a whole new side of them which I thought was really interesting Mm. we didn't do the two to four minutes of Silent eye contact yeah, at the end, though, because it's a bit much. It's <laughs> <awkward>. <laughs> in between, is that in between every question or in between all the set? You're supposed to ask each other the 36 questions, mm-hmm. and at the end, oh. you're supposed to look into each other's okay. eyes for two to four minutes in complete silence, mm. which can be pretty invasive for many people, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have the self confidence to look in anyone's eyes for 10 seconds, <laughs> let alone two to four minutes a long time Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it really is. I think for any kind of like eye contact or any kind of like hug or anything, that's a long time. Usually if I'm hugging someone for like 10 seconds, it's because like they've had a long day or like they really need a hug. Mm -hmm. My hugs are usually like side hugs and they're brief, you know? Anything gets like awkward if you're like counting or like trying to see how long it is too. It just makes it worse. (laughs) Like when you set a timer on your phone for like four minutes, I have to stare into your eyes till this goes off (laughs) (laughs) probably feels a lot longer yeah while you're doing it i understand like why they propose that idea because Mm -hmm. they say that the eyes are the gateway to the soul and that if you look into someone's eyes it can reveal a great deal about them so i think the idea of like not having any type of communication other than just looking into someone's eyes kind of like encourages you to notice someone else's like nonverbal communication Mm -hmm. or like try to look beyond their mask and see how they're feeling which is interesting but like one minute max Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) if it takes two to four minutes to realize if you love somebody does that mean there's such thing as love at first sight (laughs) oh that is a gray area i think i i believe it is for some people i think like you can definitely have a feeling when you first meet someone where you feel like you've known them before. But I also think that that has a lot to do with like your body and all the hormones and the chemistry changing. I'm not exactly sure if you can actually love someone. First sight, I don't think I could personally. What do you think of when you think of love? Uh, chocolate and heart-shaped things. Flowers. That's true. <laughs> and then what do those things lead you to think of? valentine's day oh this just so (laughs) happens to come out (laughs) the same week of valentine's day what a coincidence what a coincidence but actually before valentine's day there's this very special holiday that you may not have heard of Mm -hmm. it's called galentine's day oh so if you're a fan of parks and recs one of the underrated i think shows in Mm -hmm. uh, our last little while i think it's up there with the office not everyone agrees but that's okay leslie Mm nope she created galentine's day a day where women would leave their boyfriends and husbands at home and get together and celebrate each other. I think that's a very nice sounding holiday. Mm-hmm. I think so too. <laughs> Please everyone go and celebrate Valentine's Day this year before you have to go and spend time with your loved ones. <laughs> but today let's talk about Valentine's Day. What is it? We always say that Valentine's Day is just something created by the card companies to sell us stuff. But There's a little bit more history to it. Now, we don't know for sure the exact details, but we do have some ideas of maybe how we came to using this time of the year, this day, as the day where we talk about love and sometimes fertility. (laughs) February has long been celebrated as a month of romance, and that St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, falls into both Christian and ancient Roman traditions. In the Catholic Church, they have about three different saints named either Valentin, Valentine, or Valentinus, all of them which were martyred, so they all died for noble causes somehow. And one of the legends of one of the saints where uh, Valentine was a priest and he served during the third century in Rome. There was an emperor by the name of Calidus II, and he decided that all single men were better soldiers than those that had wives and family. And so what he did was he outlawed marriage for young men. So men were just not getting married. Now, Valentin, the romantic that he was, he decided that this was an injustice, and he secretly married all of these young lovers. And then when Claudius found out, 
he killed him. So the other story that we have about a Valentine that was killed in the name of love comes from a Valentine that was a Christian that was imprisoned by the Romans. And he fell in love with one of the prison guards' daughters that visited him while he was in jail. And he wrote what we believe is the very first Valentine letter. And when he ended it, he wrote, from your Valentine. And that's why we use the expression of, will you be my Valentine? And mm. you can sign it off as Valentine. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, there's romance throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. Now, Valentine's Day was also a pagan festival mm-hmm. celebrated in February. And later on, the Christians came around. They wanted to switch it up. But what was this uh, holiday called? Do you know? So also in uh, Roman times uh, there was a festival called Lupercalia and this was a pagan festival where priests would go to a cave where the founders of Rome were cared for by a she-wolf and they would sacrifice a goat uh, for fertility or a dog um, for purification and the priests would walk through the streets with the hide of the goat dipped in the sacrificed animal's blood and they would touch this goat hide to women or slap them with it uh, to make them become more fertile. Later that day, women would put their names into an urn, and then single men would pick out names, and they would be paired with the person who got picked for the festival, or sometimes they would end up getting married. Yeah, some like long-term swingers, fishbowl, <laughs> in the keys thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Uh, and Another sort of interesting Valentine's Day ritual or part of history that we didn't know about. And I don't know, I think uh, I'm pretty glad that I don't have to be slapped with a goat hide covered in blood every year. So <laughs> I'm kind of glad that that's been uh, done away with. <laughs> it's one thing that the Christians did right. So Valentine's Day as we see it now is is much because of people like Shakespeare and other writers that were, you know, those romantics that, you know, wanted to talk about love and things like that. And in Great Britain, Valentine's Day became popular around the 17th century. And then by the middle of the 18th century, it was quite common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. Mm. By the 1900, we became a little bit more lazy because we had printing technology and then we just got cards and things (laughs) like that it's noted that probably americans started exchanging handwritten valentine's cards around the 1700 and by the 1840s esther a howland began selling mass produced valentine's in america so she's known as the mother of valentine Mm. today the greeting card association estimates about one billion valentine's day cards are sent to people each year and it is the second largest spending holiday Mm. that we have do you know what the first one is christmas you're right Mm. christmas (laughs) yeah i see here that in 2010 valentine's day sales reached 17.6 billion yes and about 220 million roses are produced for valentine's Mm. day each year wow it's a lot of dead flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, as much as uh, romance is not dead on Valentine's Day, 
about six million people are engaged on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You are not unique planning an engagement on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. I think you would be better off doing an engagement on February 29th. Yeah, then you could only have to celebrate your anniversary every four years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's pretty smart. <laughs> you wouldn't have to buy a gift. <laughs> Save a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think like a lot of people might get caught up in you know the atmosphere of Valentine's Day or whatever and if their part proposes to them and say yes and they might not really <laughs> want to <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that's true but yeah it just seems like a cheesy day to propose or <laughs> way to do it but it's what people in the media and the movies and mm-hmm. the tv it's what they tell us yeah. that we should be doing right we have to do these grand gestures and we have to make sure that everyone knows that we love the person that we are with mm-hmm. and what more romantic thing is there than to get engaged on such a romantic day like <laughs> Valentine's Day? What would be the worst engagement proposal for you? Before we were talking about the uh, sports game one where uh, oh, yeah. someone proposes to you on the, the big screen or whatever. I just think that would be a little too much for me. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a little a, that's a bit embarrassing much. or just too public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because a lot of men think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Did you see late last year, I believe it was, when the young woman that was running the marathon and mm. her now fiancé proposed to her in the middle of her running the marathon? Oh, no. <laughs> Couldn't wait till the finish line. No, exactly, right? Like, he stopped her from running. Oh. She probably was trying to make a you know record yeah. time and tried to propose to her. And then she like says yes, hugs him, and like, can I finish? Yeah. <laughs> and then she went off and finished the marathon. Good for her. <laughs> he must have not ran that by anyone yeah. before he thought of that. Just decided. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I feel like mm-hmm. her friends could have talked him out of it. Yeah. Maybe his parents, mm-hmm. even his best friends, hopefully, mm-hmm. would have been able to catch on something like that. But that's yeah. just like way to upstage. Yeah. That's supposed so to be important. like a, yeah important moment. Yeah, waiting till the finish line would have been a lot uh, yeah, better, sure. probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More of like a romantic gesture probably behind it, too. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of making it about yourself if you interrupt the race. <laughs> yeah, uh, imagine like it's a World Series and a pitcher's like ready to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then his fiance or his girlfriend comes out and uh, proposes to him in the middle of the game. <laughs> Yeah, they would never let that happen. No, never. <laughs> Where do people come up with these bananas ideas? <laughs> mm, probably a lot of uh, movies, like romantic comedies or yeah, other movies about love and relationships or TV shows. It's something that we grow up watching in all these romantic comedies mm-hmm. that the man has to go and chase after mm-hmm. the woman and there has to be some type of conflict that happens and then there has to be some grand gesture that occurs in order to make sure that they will live happily ever after yeah one of the reasons why i feel like many of my relationships never worked was because i try to work with that formula mm-hmm. and it doesn't work <laughs> so anyone who's younger and listening save your time yeah and just find somebody that uh makes sense as opposed to trying to make something work that doesn't and telling yourself that's how 
love is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of media like makes it seem like your relationship has to be sort of filled with conflict or else it's not passionate enough or like you're not really, you know, like in love with the person. And yeah, I've definitely felt that way before too. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have these like passionate like you know arguments and then make up after you know that means that I'm not really in love or <laughs> whatever like stuff like that is just ridiculous because wait you and your boyfriend didn't argue in the rain and <laughs> on the side of a ro- country road no, no this has not happened yet no. anyway <laughs> there's still time yes <laughs> but yeah i just like having a relationship that's worthwhile it's made to look like you have to always you know fight for it in these ways instead of just working every day to try and and maintain it or to try and and be you know a a good partner I guess it's kind of boring if you are gonna have a movie about that (laughs) that's why they do it let's bring in our expert romantic comedy guru Ryan, he's <laughs> the one who studied this a little bit, and uh, maybe he could fill us in on some of these uh, romantic themes that we see in movies that are probably not the greatest. Hi. Uh, we'll just start off by saying I'm the furthest thing from a big romantic gesture kind of guy. <laughs> so let's just, we'll preface with that. When we were discussing this earlier, the one that really stood out to me was the big grand gesture of chasing somebody through the airport. Mm. Now let's just break this down for a second. Okay. So you've messed up so bad that your significant other is leaving the country or province, whatever. (laughs) Show up to Pearson Airport and try to get anywhere through security without a boarding pass. (laughs) See how far you get. Not only is it not practical, I'm pretty sure it's highly illegal. (laughs) But to kind of see the way the media depicts romance, not only is it not realistic, I don't think that it's effective either. Well, I, I do argue the point where... If you've seen Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Nick at the end, he's so rich that he bought a plane ticket and met her on the plane. So what do you say about that? I'm not anywhere near that much of a baller. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what happens if you buy the ticket to get through and then the person just like doesn't want you around? Then you just spent all this money on a plane ticket. Yeah, that, that would be a problem. And then the other one we were discussing was showing up in the middle of the night, perhaps in a rainstorm, depending on the weather, with a boombox above your head. It could be late at night, early in the morning, whatever. I kind of view that as not romantic, more as disruptive. Yeah, a little stalkerish. Mm-hmm. Right on the borderline between stalkerish and disruptive. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about the airport thing, because like, I was just thinking of uh, the show Friends, because that's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> but I was just thinking about because it, it happens like three times in that show at least, (laughs) where someone goes to the airport and tries to, like, chase someone down before they get on a plane to tell them that they love them. Yeah, it's really something that is a major theme in a lot of uh, sitcoms or romantic comedies. Was was Ross and Rachel's last scene in the airport? Yeah, Yeah. so the first time Rachel goes to the airport to stop, try to stop Ross from going on his trip to China or, like, to tell him that she like loves him or whatever after she finds out that he loves her um because he buys her this like gift before he leaves for her birthday and then the second time uh, was ross 
and Emily after they get married and then Rachel shows up and like ruins the wedding and Ross tries to uh, chase Emily to the airport and then yeah the last time is when Rachel's about to move to Paris and Ross goes and tries to get her off the plane those are the all the times that I can think of there might even be more <laughs> that relationship in itself is a pretty uh, dysfunctional one I yeah think. not one that you want to role model your relationship off of maybe they should have done those 36 questions that we were talking about <laughs> they could have avoided all the chasing and running around <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Some other things, like just think about like the grand gestures that you see in movies. If you think of like one of the most classic romantic comedies of all time, you have ones like Love Actually, and that classic, super romantic yet actually really really bad scene where the guy, where Mark, the best friend of Peter, actually the best man at their wedding, uh, falls in love with Juliet. And so his job at the wedding was to film stuff. And when he checked the tape, like, all he did was just film her the whole time, which is, you know, a little weird. You know, your best friend's wife, you know, maybe you should uh, include your best friend in some of those shots. But, okay, that one maybe you could play it off and say, oh, you know, you're doing it for Peter and making a video just for him. But either way, creepy. And then later on, once he, like, falls in love with her he shows up at her house while he's like just in the other room knocks on the door has these cards professing his love to her while he's married to your best friend like was he the professional wedding photographer no i think he was the best man for it well if he was filming that entire thing not only was he dropping the ball as the best man he wasn't capturing capturing the whole moment. Yeah. <laughs> and like if he's filming it, like at some point someone might be like, hey, can I see the footage? And what are you going to say? <laughs> Brings us back to the, the creepiness like you were saying. <laughs> yeah. He kept that one all Something for himself, I'm sure. Something that's supposed to seem, yeah, romantic, but really it's just a little over the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was the feeling mutual? I have seen the movie, but it's been a long time. Yeah, I don't remember. She stayed with Peter, I believe, right? Mm, I don't know, yeah. I'd have to see it again. No. I have a lot of, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't like that movie very much. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people really like it and think that it's this great romantic comedy and they watch it all the time at Christmas. But, like, the people, the characters are all just, like, bad people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, it has the greatest Christmas song of all time in it. Yeah, so that's, that's true. If anything, <laughs> you could just watch it for that. I like Bridget Jones's diary much better. <laughs> it's also kind of like a Christmassy movie just because like of the time of year that it like takes place. And like the people aren't like, I guess because Hugh Grant is in that one too. That's what makes me think of it. And Hugh Grant is still like an asshole in this one, <laughs> but it has a happy ending because she ends up with the good guy. Colin and also, Firth, right? yeah, yeah. And also she sort of like, takes charge of her own life and doesn't rely on men. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like every love movie is based on manipulating somebody mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah, no wonder I uh, have a warped belief <laughs> of what love really is. And just kind of a side note, Kevin James is lovable already, and I think he needed somebody. To <laughs> well, here Comes the Boom is that. such a good movie. Right? Yeah, and then they make it seem like romantic when the people fall in love, regardless of the fact that they were trying to manipulate each other, or <laughs> one person was trying to manipulate the other person. And it's like, that's still not like 
a good foundation to start your <laughs> relationship off on. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we are, whatever we think of love, it's not important in 2019 because the only way you can prove your love in 2019 is if it's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you're Facebook official, I don't know if the kids still say that. So I never use oh, Facebook Oh, when I anymore. become a Facebook <laughs> official, I'm going to say it. Yeah, so what does that do? Like, It's funny because like, everyone complains about seeing everyone's Valentine's Day posts, but then everyone still does it. Mm-hmm. And then what about the single people? Yeah. What about us single people who have to look at all your posts <laughs> and have to like them all because I liked every other post you've done <laughs> and I can't be that petty and not like that one. Mm-hmm. Make it obvious that I'm at home alone <laughs> watching <laughs> whatever else is on. I don't even know what day of Valentine's Day is this so year. Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on that day. So oh. hopefully this episode, a new <laughs> episode for me to watch. Yeah, I think the whole social media thing is like a big problem, not even just for Valentine's Day, but just constantly like people posting, you know, every aspect of their relationships or things they do together. And like, I don't know, even though like I'm in like a loving relationship, it still makes me feel like it's not good enough right and like I'm like oh look at all this stuff that all these people are doing and spending time together and going to all these cool places like why can't I do that and then I just get all like resentful that you know my relationship isn't as fun or whatever as these people's and just doesn't achieve anything positive yeah pretty much never go on social media anymore not even just for relationships but also just like in terms of my I don't know like self-esteem and stuff like it just never makes me feel good to spend time looking at like what other people are doing or saying that they're doing like I never feel happy afterwards so I'm just kind of like what's the point of doing that yeah sometimes I wonder like how much disposable income does someone have to be able Mm -hmm. to live that life because I sure don't yeah um I don't have that at all uh I hope I do one day I've seen some people who are like Instagram famous or whatever and it just seems like such a hard thing that you constantly have to be thinking about and like doing just like thinking about how you're gonna like stage you know this picture and the the lighting and the like scenery and then you have to like always look good and I'm just like why would you ever want to do that like it just I feel like when they take those pictures of themselves and their partner or whatever, like doing something together, they're not actually enjoying it. And like, especially if I was a partner, I'd be like, this is stupid. (laughs) Can we not? Make sure you experience it first. Yeah. It doesn't need to be documented on social media. And also like, I feel like that is such a big aspect of people like getting engaged or like proposals too. It's just like the social media post of like the ring and then like showing like, you know, they're holding hands or like doing something afterwards, like showing it off nowadays. And that like women or whoever, like they just try to make other people, you know, like feel jealous or like bad that they aren't engaged. And oh, I am. And look at how beautiful my <laughs> ring is. And I'm so happy. Yeah, that bothers me a lot, (laughs) as if you couldn't tell. (laughs) As we work through that, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about love language and how we love.
Phil. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Not much. You want to hear a joke? Sure. Knock, knock. Who's there? Stopwatch. Stopwatch who? Stop what you're doing and pay attention to this awesome podcast that we've got for you. We will insert a laugh track for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about Red Dot Project? Or are you talking about going with the flow? Well, going with the flow can be found at the Red Dot Project. So they're pretty much like partners. Yeah, see, I like I like partners. I think we got to come at it from a, a unified angle. So just like a pad and a pair of underwear, we got to stick together. Ah, see, there's another laugh track right uh, there. <laughs> so, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little about what you have in store for your next episode? So next week, we're going to be discussing a number of issues surrounding Indigenous people and more specifically, Indigenous people living within a colonized nation such as Canada. So you can listen to that podcast next week on Going With The Flow with Nat and Ryan. If you're subscribed to Red Dot Project, then it'll be downloaded straight to your phone as soon as it gets released. So subscribe today. Welcome back to Red Dot Project. Uh, today we're talking about Valentine's Day and romance in 2019. Uh, now uh, we are going to talk about the different love languages. And we have our placement student, Natalie, here with us to talk about the different love languages and what they mean. You could also catch Natalie next week in her episode that she does with Ryan on Going With The Flow. Awesome. So the five love languages. So in 1992, Dr. Gary Chapman published a book called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. And this was a very popular book. A lot of people read it in hopes to either heal their relationship or get a better understanding of what they need in relationships and what their partner needs and how those things can be very different. So from this book, it was then translated into a quiz that you can do. You can actually do it online. I believe for one of my classes in nursing, we did it just for fun. And so it outlines that there are essentially five different types of people, and it's characterized by the things that these people need most in relationships to feel fulfilled. So out of the five, the first one is words of affirmation. So anyone that falls into this category really, really needs like verbal reassurance. They need to be told like, I love you, that they're doing good. So an example of this would be if someone says like, let's tell each other all the reasons why we love each other, because that would be like all verbal. I hope you could grow out of some of this stuff because like, I feel like a younger me was very much needing these words of affirmation, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, and I think a lot of it was more because I was a bit more, um, I guess the self-confidence level was as high. And then I felt like, oh, I'm, like, with someone out of my league, so I need to make <laughs> sure that they still care about me. So then I need to find ways to get them to tell me that they still want to be together. And if they didn't, then it's over, and I lost them forever. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I've grown out of that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think that that's something like the whole verbal uh, reassurance and affirming thing like is definitely something that's taught and learned in childhood. I think every kid growing up needs positive reassurance. And I, I think in some ways that translates more into like relationships for some people as opposed to others. 
I, I know for a fact that I need words of affirmation. Even though I know words are just words, they go a long way with me. So I think that I fall into that, or partially into that category. Nat, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so the second category is quality time. Anybody that falls in this category, they really value and need their partner's undivided uh, attention and company. So this means, like, no... TV, no, or I guess TV if you're watching something together, but if you're watching TV together and no one's on their phone, or this could also constitute for like the two to four minutes of silent eye contact if you mm-hmm. really want to go that far. <laughs> but yeah, an example of this could be let's hit the gym together and then see a movie. So someone in this category would find shared hobbies and interests a very strong driving factor in a relationship with someone. Yeah, I think I definitely fit into that one. Um, I got pretty annoyed recently at my boyfriend's. We were watching a show together and he was on his phone. I was like, put that away. (laughs) But yeah, I like to have someone actually be present, you know, with me when we're spending time and doing something together for sure. I totally agree. I think that there are those moments where you can be in someone's presence and you don't necessarily need to be paying attention to them especially if you live with the person Mm -hmm. because you get really used to that however like when it comes to times where like you don't get to see each other very often or both have a tight schedule that Mm -hmm. quality time means so much more especially when it's uninterrupted for sure I get angry about that kind of stuff too (laughs) I don't have like your full undivided attention I can definitely get angry about that as well The third one is receiving gifts. A person in this category thrives on the thoughtfulness and effort behind buying gifts because they strongly feel that a person has to really understand you in order to buy you a gift. Mm. An example would be, he bought me this ring and I'm so in love with it. He must really know me as a person. I think this is one that definitely is a very popular one these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and like we were talking about with movies and, and the media and grand gestures, it's like a lot of the emphasis is on like material things or or gifts that supposedly show how much someone cares like I I really like to to give gifts but I don't know I just really love that feeling of like getting something for someone that you know they'll really like or that they really want and like it being a surprise but I don't necessarily like I hope that it shows you know that I I care and that I love the person but I don't think it means everything like my boyfriend if he he probably won't listen to this but (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of yeah I don't know I wouldn't say that like he puts that much emphasis on on buying gifts in our relationship or like to show that that he loves me and like it doesn't really bother me it's just not the way that he shows love I guess but it's more like important to me like to buy him like a a nice gift or something that I think he'll really love it's more of like a way that I show that I care (laughs) not that he doesn't buy good gifts but (laughs) it's just not the primary way that I think he shows love one of the things that I've learned through my growing up in long life where I've developed so much wisdom is (laughs) that for me like when I was growing up and I was in relationships I always wanted to make everything like such a meaningful gift and like so every little thing I would like start planning so it's something someone says something then I will mark it down like in my head and then I used to have a good memory too so <laughs> and I would hold on to some of these ideas for like weeks and months and then just random days pull them out these gifts all the time and then like I learned after a little while 
if you are the person on the receiving end and every other week you're getting this like super meaningful gift, it could get a bit annoying. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like to always have to be able to come up with the reaction because again, like I was somebody who needed the word of affirmation. Mm. So that's why I would give these gifts in order to get the words of affirmation. And then it can be tiresome for the person who always getting these gifts to always have to be able to show those things. And then not until I was on sort of the other end of, I guess, somebody who liked me and then started to try to give me stuff and I wasn't really into them. And then when I started receiving all this stuff, I was like, ah, oh, I don't really like this that much. <laughs> and then hopefully, I, th- I think I've learned that mm-hmm. it's not, you have to come up with some type of balance. Yeah, I guess that. like having the... The recognition, too, is, like, a good point, yeah, because, like, if I get someone a really good gift or, like, what I think is a really good gift and then they don't show a reaction that I was expecting or, like, communicate that they really like it or, like, they don't really use it, then, like, I get kind of upset or, like, I think they they don't appreciate it or whatever. Yeah, so, like, I feel like I do put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, always get, you know, like, the perfect gift and stuff and I end up buying like way more than I need to or that I should because I'm always like oh I need this and then they need this and maybe this and they they're gonna they're gonna want this thing to go with that thing and then I just like go way over the top every time there's like a holiday or their birthday or something so <laughs> scale back a little the fourth love language would be acts of service This kind of sounds like receiving gifts, but it's a little different in the sense that you're doing things for your partner, but they're mostly revolving around taking responsibilities away from them or trying to make them feel better and relieve their stress. So it would usually include like a random act of kindness, such as like making your partner breakfast in bed or like buying them flowers because they had a bad day. So a good example of this would be something like he had a really rough day today, so I made him his favorite dish for dinner because you're not necessarily going out and like getting a gift, but you're doing something that's kind just to help relieve some tension mm-hmm. that your partner is experiencing. And also, like, you're giving your time in a way too, right? And just kind of you're putting, like, that love, like, into something, like, that you make or, or do or whatever, and that really shows it's hard when you are both working, but I think... Yeah. You can make time for it if you try. I think, yeah, I always really appreciate it when uh, my boyfriend does stuff like that for me. So I think I used to be a lot better with doing stuff like that for him. But now with like full time work, it's hard for sure. It is hard, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the less frequently it happens too, the more you admire it when it Mm -hmm. does happen. Because I never thought my boyfriend would ever be the kind of person to go out and get flowers. Like he's just not that kind of dude. I could never see him going somewhere and buying flowers for me (laughs) and like carrying them home. And then he did it like a month ago and I was like really, really shocked. But it was the nicest thing just because it was random and something that, you know, he doesn't do all the time and has never done before. So mm-hmm. to me, that meant a lot. Yeah, I think my boyfriend's bought me flowers like maybe two or three times in our relationship. And we've been together for almost five years. <laughs> I think the first time he did it was only like a year ago. And I was like, what? That's <laughs> 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 I felt too. I was like, yeah. what happens? Like, So the fifth language of love is physical touch, which is actually the most direct form of showing someone that you care about them. People that fall into this category, they have a very strong need and craving for physical touch. So any form of displaying your affection, so whether it's holding hands, kissing, hugging, anything like that, they really need those things to feel close to that person and to feel secure in that relationship. 
I think the media definitely throws a lot of attention and light on mm-hmm. that category as well. But For I also sure. think that that can be troublesome because I don't think that everyone necessarily is able to express themselves that way. Like they might not like to be touched or they might not like to touch other people mm-hmm. and they might have their own way of dis- of expressing love that other people might find confusing. But I think that's also important to take into consideration. I definitely have times that like I just want to be like to have my space, right? But my boyfriend is definitely that type of person where he likes showing the affection with cuddling or, or hugging like a lot. And like I like that too. But yeah, other times I'm just like, okay, I need some need some me time (laughs) that can definitely be a challenge because it's a lot more of his love language than it is mine's it's interesting (laughs) that you say that because Mm -hmm. I'm not like with in my relationship it's opposite Mm -hmm. so I'm more of like an affectionate person and he's more of like he'll say or do things and like he values like quality time more Mm -hmm. so I've really had to learn at first you know I was really selfish and I was kind of like no like this is how everyone is like Mm -hmm. why aren't you like that and then as I started learning more just in school and just meeting other kinds of people and I learned that like I need to not compromise that part of myself but you know maybe tweak it a little bit so that our relationship can work better yeah exactly it might be it might have worked for me and everyone else and it might have been great but not everyone's the same and Mm -hmm. I had to really that was something I still have trouble with sometimes but learning how to not be such an affectionate person (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I guess it's just something that I yeah have to be mindful of so I'm not because body language can show a lot right like when I want to be to have my own time it's kind of have to be like oh it's not that like I don't love you or like you know I don't want to be with you but I just kind of you know I don't feel like cuddling whatever right now and like I just need some some me time (laughs) but like yeah it's hard to do that without like offending Mm -hmm. someone when that when they really value that right yeah so that's kind of like something that I need to work on for sure so I guess we're running out of time right now so to close off I think just for you two as a tip if you really want to show your partners that you love them in Austria, they used to put slices of apples underneath their armpits and dance. Oh. So when they sweat, <laughs> they would give their sweat-filled apple slices oh. to the boy they liked, and then the boy would eat it. Okay. Oh. And they were in love. Romantic. <laughs> Eating your partner's something sweat. Something with the pheromones or something. I'm, I'm hoping there's some kind of science behind that. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. So try that out Sweaty next Valentine's apples. Day. Next week, you know, get some apples. If you then... really need an idea for something for Valentine's Day. I just try that. <laughs> well, the music's playing now, Haley. So what does that mean? That means that we are out of time for today, but we will see you. Well, we won't see you next week, but Natalie and Ryan will see you next week in their next episode of Go With The Flow. Yeah, they never have us on, so (laughs) I guess we're only every other week thing now. But um, if you enjoyed what you listened to today, or if you enjoyed what you listened to last week, or this week, or next week, or whenever, hit subscribe on your iTunes podcast app or whichever app you're using, and then you will get the newest episodes downloaded straight to your device ASAP, as soon as they load up. Be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Be sure to email us at podcast at red.projecttoronto.org and let us know what you think. Let us know any ideas of new topics that you want us to cover or just whatever you want. If you just want to say hi, we'll reply with a hi back. So until next time, have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.